Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 39, which begins with Toe Cutter picking Johnny up off the sand, and it ends with the singer at the Sugartown Cabaret. Yeah, so we catch the, the second half of the line. Just checking my notes. Bubba's saying to Johnny, you just don't have the style. And then he calls him chicken shit. Yeah, he says, I said, I'm going to say, he's a... You just don't have the style, do you, chicken shit? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it suddenly occurs to me that maybe we, I'm I'm sure there are online tutorials about how to do Australian accents. (laughs) Might be something we want to look into. It might be. (laughs) The only instruction that I've ever received on how to do an Australian accent was from that one time... Harmontown went to Australia and he had that one phrase he was practicing like that hot mate yeah <laughs> and like that's that's the only thing I really have to go on yep hopefully as we watch more Australian movies we'll like be able to pick up on the nuances and subtlety and you know melodic quality of the Australian accent but uh you know that'll come in time yeah it's a work in progress, <laughs> it's a work in progress. anyways I found it really interesting that Boba called Johnny chicken shit because Bubba has presented this persona of being above everybody else, being much more on Toe Cutter's level mm. or near Toe Cutter's level. And he doesn't participate in the frivolities. He actually like disdains the frivolities. They it is the the game of children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he sits there stoically glaring at them while they're off having fun. You know, over and over we see examples of how he isn't into the goofing off. And the being rowdy, he's much more into the managing of the gang. And he sets himself up as being also more mature. And then he, and even juxtaposes, he says to Johnny, you don't have the style for this. And then he immediately calls him chicken shit. He's stooping to their level. Yeah, he definitely sets himself up as being above things like cursing. And then he immediately curses at him. I, I... I feel like he lowered himself yeah i didn't like it i feel like it i didn't is... like the just juxtaposition between style and swearing yeah i see it more like he's talking down like his use of profanity accentuates the condescension that he is giving johnny like johnny is of the caliber of individual that the only thing he would understand would be crude language and so as a way of illustrating you don't have the style and you are something low, and this is a word that you would use to describe others, so this is a word I'm going to use to describe you. And really, when it comes to things that are low and things that are loathsome, you know, chicken poop is pretty high up on that list, just because it can be so pervasive in, like, farmyards and whatnot, because there's chickens everywhere, and they poop everywhere. Good point. I think that seems much more like Boba. He is illustrating how he is above them by using their language to insult them. Mm-hmm. So as this is happening, Toe Cutter has thrown off his 
potato blanket Mm -hmm. and walks up behind Bubba. And I found his appearance to be very interesting. His shirt, first of all, is very blousey. So I think we were having another conversation and I can't quite remember when about making you made a comment about a few ruffles short of a pirate shirt yes okay that conversation was when we were recording with spinal tap minute that's right because it's wearing the same shirt david st hubbins is up there on stage and he's wearing this like blousey looking white shirt thing and i said it's a couple ruffles short of a pirate shirt (laughs) interesting that you should bring that up because Spinal Tap Minute, which I think started this past Monday, which means the minute we recorded with them, should be playing today. Yes. So after you're done listening to us, go look up Spinal Tap Minute and listen to, obviously, the first three minutes. But then we're in episode four. Yes. So if you like listening to us, go give them a listen. It was so much fun recording with them. Yeah, when you talk about cult movies, you know... Spinal Tap Minute is definitely one of those, and we had a lot of fun recording with them. Yeah, we had such a great time recording with Heidi and Sean. They were they were lots of fun. Yeah. And wow, do they know their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are really good. <laughs> yeah. I was very impressed with their, uh, their level of knowledge. Yeah. I should put out a disclaimer, though. If you don't like it when I go over IMDb listings, you might be slightly annoyed with my contribution to that episode. <laughs> Depending on how it ended up coming out edited. Oh, I don't know. It's a lot easier to go over and be interesting going over IMDb stuff when you're dealing with people who went on to be famous. Yeah. Which we don't deal with a lot in Mad Max. It's so rough to like full on admit that, that a lot of the people we talk about, like, oh yeah, when we talk about them, At least not in America. I mean, I'm sure in Australia it's completely different. Yeah. Their level of fame. But with with Spinal Tap, these are actors we see all over the place. And yeah. we came we found some very amusing surprises. Oh, absolutely. So it's yeah, definitely worth a listen. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so back to Tokutter. So he's wearing this blousey white shirt that is like it looks like it's coffee stained. Yeah. It's it's a disaster. And one shoulder is quite ripped, like half ripped off already. Which, when you think about it, I mean, they're part of a biker gang in a, excuse me, in a semi-post-apocalyptic setting. They're hanging out on a beach. Yeah. Their form of entertainment is a mannequin. So... How, how... So they're grooming, you know... How much laundry do you think they ever do? Yeah, it's not top-notch. Probably next to none. Yes. But... You get a glimpse of some sort of shoulder pad underneath. Um, did you notice that? I did notice something. And it kind of looked like you... a leather panel or something like that. Okay, it's... so do you think it was like a protective Probably. bike riding thing? Probably. Because I know like motorcycle jackets, not yours, because no. you're a little I'll... lax on safety sometimes. Uh... But <laughs> but some motorcycle jackets have like shields in them, like Built on the shoulders them, yeah. and, and elbows and back. So maybe it's one of those right. that's like built into his everyday clothing. It's not a bad idea. No. Certainly not. No. So so he walks up behind Bubba and his presentation is very ominous. He's a large man. Uh, he's tall. He's broad. He's got this head of hair. It's like a lion's mane. It's glorious. Mm. And the music uh, that they that they put with him walking up is fantastic. It really gives us a great effect of him being ominous. 
at this point that Boba, who is like kind of shrinking into the background. Yeah, he's stepping back he's to stepping let Toe Cutter to come let, forward. Yes. He says something. Yeah, he leans over and he kind of says, goes to water on a dummy. And I heard that. And like a lot of the people who watched this movie, I was confused by what it meant and what it was in reference to. And there was a bit of conversation I, I saw on some message boards where someone was like, well, does he say dummy or does he say dunny? Because dunny is slang for something else. But it's specifically goes to water on a dummy. And it kind of makes me wonder if the phrase goes to water is in reference to something like peeing yourself or losing your nerve or or losing going... your composure exactly like exactly. losing control because he did he his reaction to the dummy and shooting the dummy was very erratic oh, not erratic that's not the word i was thinking of it's very... emotional it was a very emotional reaction yes i feel like it was sparked by the comment that the bronze take our pride and Johnny, whose pride was just very, very, very much taken by the bronze, had this emotional reaction. He made a scene. Yes, he did. By taking the gun, fussing through the sand, and shooting the mannequin. So he lost control. He was acting emotionally. And in a biker gang, you can't act emotionally. You you have to be in control. You have to be disciplined. Toecutter's the one that gets to act emotionally. He's the leader. Yeah. They which, all have to fall in line with what he wants. Yes. And Johnny being what we believe is a novice does not have that right. Yeah. Um, so I like the the evaluation that the phrase goes to water, you know, is more like how I always say goes off the rails. Yeah. I feel like going to water probably mentions that. And considering that they're in Australia, I'm willing to bet, and I am making a huge leap here, and I'm really hoping our Australian listeners know more about this specific phrase than I'm putting on right now. But I have a feeling that if you are in a situation where you're in a, an arid, let's say, the outback type of setting, if the heat gets to you and you start going crazy and you start running at mirages thinking that they are sources of water, and this could probably go for any sort of desert setting, your compatriots could probably see, oh, this guy is going to water. He is rushing off in a crazed, mindless manner because the sun has just baked his head. I feel like that is an adequate evaluation that's, of the line. That's interesting. If I am wrong, I am counting on our listeners to correct me, as I always do, but I feel like it's it's appropriate. I feel like that way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting way to look at it. I like it. Mm -hmm. So after Bubba says that line, Toe Cutter steps forward and he just takes hold of Johnny. And speaking of taking hold, I find it kind of interesting that Toe Cutter let Johnny take the shotgun from him initially. When Johnny jumped up in the last minute and grabbed the shotgun away from Toe Cutter, he didn't offer up any resistance. He just kind of nope. let it go. And he didn't move until it was all over. It makes me wonder if the Toe Cutter doesn't so much keep his gang in line as much as he allows them to act and then he corrects them afterwards. It just reminded me there's there's a kind of a cliche saying that troublemaker type people often say is that you ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Mm -hmm. And this is like the opposite view of that. Rather than telling him what to do, he corrects them when they do something wrong. Right. He lets them figure it out for themselves 
And then, but if they do it wrong, as we see in this scene, it's not pretty. Yeah, and I feel like this is a management style that Johnny's not wholly used to. Because as Toe Cutter grabs him, you know, by the hair and the necktie, Johnny is legitimately getting dragged around. It's not like he's recognizing, okay, time for correction, and kind of tries to keep up with the Toe Cutter. He's getting dragged around quite a bit. Yes. He also takes the shotgun pack. Yeah. (laughs) Grabs the hair, picks him up, grabs the tie, and just takes the shotgun back. But he doesn't pass it off. He, like, continues carrying it with him because it's going to factor into the next shot that we see with them. And it is his gun. Yeah. Now, it's funny because we learn later on in the movie, and I think this might just be a joke that he says, but, like, Toe Cutter doesn't necessarily like guns. We'll see that when when we get to the farmhouse. It's much further down the line. It's interesting that, um, so, Toe Cutter professes later on that he doesn't like guns. The two times that we've seen him use the gun, he shoots it into the air to get everybody's attention. Yep. And then he shoves it in Johnny's mouth in a couple of seconds to illustrate a point. Yeah. So both times he's using the gun not as a gun. He's using it for something else. Yeah. Either some sort of way to call, either as a call to action or a... Call to inaction. Yeah. Kind of a a metaphor. I don't know. Yeah. He seems to like his metaphors, so... Before we get to the second use of the shotgun... Yeah, we get a we get a shot shift. We start off looking at them, you know, with the water behind the camera, and then we get a quick shift where the camera is looking towards the water. Yes, and it's not so much we get a shift in shot; we also get a major shift in time. Yes, as you're looking at them initially, it's bright and sunny, lots of blue sky, and then in the next shot, suddenly. It's, you know, the sun is going down. And it's not so much that the sun is going down, but all of the shadows of the people that are standing on the beach are facing the exact opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not exact opposite. Maybe it's like a 90 degree shift, but details, not important. (laughs) (laughs) Says the person who is analyzing a movie minute by minute. I gotta say, I need to amend that phrase and find a new one to throw into situations where I get tied up in the minutia of how many degrees the shadows have shifted in a scene. Yes. (laughs) Because in this instance, it's meant to be immediately one shot following the other. Yes. Now, in defense of production here, when you're shooting outside, it's really hard to avoid stuff like this Mm -hmm. because they're not shooting necessarily in real time. You know, they do more than one take. They have to reset things. Things take time. They have to go to lunch. Yes. So, you know, it's kind of unavoidable. And they just deal with it the best they can. And actually, if I remember correctly from the behind the scenes, the light had changed so much that they they weren't planning on shooting the scene with them walking into the water. But they had to because that's where the light was. That's the perspective and the camera angle so they could get the light that they needed so they ended up wading into the water yeah and And i think that was i love that they were standing in the water i think it's it's a beautiful scene it's very effective i really love it yeah so like i said we shift to this wide shot of the beach facing the water and as we see toe cutter leading johnny away from the group everyone just kind of relaxes and starts doing their own thing again. And the one person I particularly paid attention to was Clunk. And it seems like Clunk is starting to make towards the mannequin because, you know, he went... It's his mannequin. It's his he, mannequin. And he went took and it found from it. Him. And they shot it up and... 
Yeah, he's got to go rescue his gonna, mannequin. He's going to go rescue polystyrene yeah. from the bad people who shot her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that, they, that the general gang populace recognizes that their part in the scene is over. Right. It's now a one-on-one scene. They can they feel comfortable going back to what they were doing and goofing off and relaxing. Right. Yeah. I like that. It it shows the it shows a level of control over the group that Toe Cutter has that they know, and we've mentioned this before with his nonverbal cues. He's masterful at nonverbal cues. They have read his nonverbal cue of him walking away with Johnny that they're no longer involved. Right. This is now a one-on-one powwow that he needs to have mm-hmm. with Johnny so that Johnny can understand something. Yep. So, really illustrates the power of Tokar mm-hmm. again. So we cut closer to them. And this is where, like you said, where they're standing in the water because yes. that's where the light is. And it's not immediately obvious because them standing in the water wasn't part of the point of the scene. So it's... We don't get a shot of their legs showing that they're standing in the water. Yeah, until I think it's like until they walk away or something like that. Yeah, then we see that they're actually standing in water. Yep. So Uh, Toe Cutter has Johnny once again, and the text of the scene has Toe Cutter saying, "It's all right. It's okay. Just remember to keep your sweet, sweet mouth shut." And as he's saying that, like, he's taken the shotgun, like you said before, and put it up into Johnny's mouth. And it's interesting, as he has the shotgun in Johnny's mouth, uh, that he's not actually holding down by the trigger. He's actually holding up past the breech. Yeah, he has no intention. The intimidation that he's trying to show Johnny isn't that he's going to shoot his brains out. Right. It's more of the metaphor that he loves so much of of the shotgun in the mouth. It's it's definitely more the metaphor. Yeah, I think the I think the idea of Toe Cutter putting the barrel of a gun into Johnny's mouth might have Well, there's that uh, might have an overtone to it that I don't necessarily want to come right out and say. Ah. Because well, we, a lot of I times mean, in media, you know, firearms are interpreted as phallic symbols. Yeah. And so huh. I mean, we know that the gang has interesting ideas about sex and violence. We know that Toe Cutter has interesting sways over his subordinates. And I've I've seen a couple of p- people posting online the idea that the the sexuality of the gang itself, like as a as a whole, is very what's the word I'm looking for? Do you mean like part of their identity? Like part of their identity is that you're never really quite sure if like trying to recall exactly how i read it the the idea that the gang sends off dangerous vibes in a homosexual and heterosexual sense to just really throw people off their guard because there are people that are frightened by gang members there are people that are frightened by homosexuals there are people that are frightened by street toughs like and i feel like when you have a phallic symbol being shoved into another character's mouth by a character who is of a more powerful position than them like that's a power move in and of itself but it also has that undertone of uh, undertone of control that johnny is now in a situation where he has lost his autonomy Mm -hmm. 
interesting that you use the word control because that's what rape is about. Yeah. Rape is about control. It's not about sex. It's not about feeling good. It's not about sexual pleasure. It's about control. Yeah. So I find it interesting, just the idea that Toe Cutter would shove that barrel into Johnny's mouth. And a bit of IMDb behind the scenes trivia, when Hugh Keys Byrne did that to Tim Burns, he actually cut the inside of Tim Burns' mouth. And so I think... You noted that when he pulls the barrel out, Tim Burns' mouth kind of stays the same shape. Yeah, his face doesn't relax at all. He's still, like, wide-eyed and startled and not knowing what's going on. His mouth is still open wide, Mm -hmm. like he's in shock. Yeah, and it's an incredibly shocking scene because it is so brutal. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you can tell that Toe Cutter has a level of affection for his gang members, but it's a very abusive relationship. Yes, and I think his level of affection and respect for Johnny is less than others. It's ju- I think it's just barely enough to keep him around. Yeah. I think I- if he had any less affection for Johnny and maybe confidence in his prospects, he wouldn't have rescued him from the cops. Yeah, I think... He wouldn't have sent Bubba back. It goes back to that idea that Toe Cutter sees potential for Johnny to be an asset to the gang. Yes. But he recognizes that Johnny needs to learn. Yeah. And this is exactly... And this is how he teaches. Yes. Through, you know, being incredibly brutal one moment. And then after he pulls the shotgun out of his mouth and ends his line, he like takes Johnny's head and kind of like cradles it up against his chest as they walk further out into the water. Yes. Like, tonally, this scene is... I, I, I can't even describe it. Because there's that anxiety that exists. There's the, the violence. There's the sexual undertone. It's just very affecting. Yes. As and a it, watcher. And it does feel like, you know, abu- an abusive relationship... And how abusive relationships between me- a man and a woman have been represented to us in media. Of, you know, the abusive man degrading and beating the woman. And then once that is over, being overly affectionate. Mm-hmm. Like he's making up for it. And like I feel like that's exactly what we it. see here. That's exactly what we're seeing. Absolutely. And it is absolutely a position of power. Oh, yeah. And we see that in both examples of, you know, an abusive relationship between a man and a woman. People will say to the woman, well, why don't you just leave? And they don't understand that this man is in control of her. That's part of the abuse. It's the point of the abuse. He wants to be in control of her and he's and it's working right now. Yeah. And so she can't leave. Uh, and it's definitely, I mean, we've come to, we've commented many times about the about toe cutter and his power plays Mm -hmm. and i i think we can still safely say up to this point that everything he does accentuates his power and increases it and reiterates it to his subordinates we have not seen him do anything even remotely weak this whole movie yet yeah i feel like this scene is going to be a little bit mirrored um we're not going to talk about the minute i've got in my mind until about april I think it's the first week in April is when we really get into it, uh, past the halfway point of the uh, the movie. But there's a minute later on where there's another interaction between the two of them, where Toe Cutter is just brutal to Johnny. And it's, yeah, it, it makes you st- take a step back and really just, ooh, <laughs> type of thing. Mm-hmm. So as they're walking out into the sunset, we get to take a step away from this situation because we cut to a neon sign advertising the Sugartown Cabaret. 
We get about 12 seconds at the end of this minute where we're seeing the Sugartown Cabaret sign, and then I think it's the last seven seconds of this minute where we're actually just panning across the interior of the Sugartown Cabaret. And considering that we're going to spend so much time with the cabaret tomorrow, I think we'll save that for then. Yes. Yeah, I think so. We'll really get into it tomorrow. Yeah, because the the atmosphere we're leaving at the beach versus the atmosphere we're going to find ourselves in at the cabaret. Very drastic. Very different. Yes. (laughs) So you can look forward to us having a bit more of a lighthearted and raucous time at the Sugartown Cabaret starting tomorrow. And we will see you then. In the meantime... Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash MadMaxMinute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 39. We'll see you at the cabaret. Motorbikes and men, take me to the end of the dream. 